0: I'm the um, China correspondent at The Australian.
1: I've been a journalist for a little more than 20 years.
2: I've been in journalism and communications for also around 20 years in five countries.
3: What's the biggest challenge that you have faced during this pandemic?
0: But My wife is back here in Australia. We'd never spent more than two weeks apart, so it was horrific.
1: My show was cancelled and I was then
2: unemployed. I did both jobs for a while, and that was really, really intense, I think.
1: We've all lost something of our former lives.
2: Yeah, if this doesn't bring us together, what will?
1: What would you tell future journalists
3: who might go through the next pandemic? We have a
1: responsibility
3: to the world
1: to tell the stories as they're happening.
2: Don't lose sight of the big picture. That finger-pointing solves the problems.
3: The pandemic has taken a toll on nearly every human being and every sector in almost every country. To find out how it has disrupted and also transformed our life and work, today I have invited three media and communication professionals from all over the world to join our online discussion. Good morning to Monica in New York City and good afternoon to Rahul in Brussels and good evening to Will in Sydney. Do any of you remember wearing your first mask?
0: Yeah, I, my first mask was, um, I was doing a, a Mandarin course in Beijing and um, I moved to Beijing January 3, 2020. And then that day of my Mandarin class, like half the city had masks and was my wife and I were feeling a bit weird that we didn't. And my, yeah, my Mandarin teacher told us, look, she was so lovely. She she got my wife and I two of her masks from her supplies and gave them to us so that we could go to the chemist and buy more.
1: No, I don't remember my first mask, but I remember just always wearing one. Did you ever stockpile toilet paper? No. (laughs) No. No. Three no's? Well, I ran out of toilet paper, and I had to buy toilet paper on Amazon, and it only came in industrial rolls that were, like, made for a public bathroom, (laughs) so the roll was like this, and it came in a box, I want to say, like, 24 or 48. I didn't intend on stockpiling toilet paper, but I could only get it at Amazon, and what's so funny, it lasted until about three weeks ago. Unintentional stockpiling, i take that one. Yes.
2: It, it, it did become a thing. Um, toilet paper, the prices rose, they doubled, they tripled. And, y- y- you know, it, it, was, it was just quite a surreal experience, you know, in, in an already surreal country.
3: Could you name a good habit and a bad one that you have picked up during the pandemic?
2: Okay, the bad one, obviously, is, is like not fully dressing up, right? Like none of us can pan down at the moment.
1: No, no. There's a, a commercial, an American commercial, um, for a women's clothing store, and the woman is dancing around her kitchen, and you know she drinks, it she has a glass of wine, and she goes like this, and she's like, "Here's to wearing real pants."
3: <laughs> oh, actually, uh, the sales of pants and that's what I read from probably Time magazine. Pants and bras go down, and <laughs> sales of pajamas go really up. Not surprising, I guess. Yeah. Mm-mm.
1: Any good habits? I have to say that I really would, I've I've really taken this time to reconnect with my family and to spend time with them. And, you know, I think the dynamic in our household is, is much happier or not even happier because we were happy before, but it's just more simpatico. You know, everybody is cheerful if you can believe it, like we haven't killed each other yet.
0: <laughs>
3: and how do you take care of your mental health?
0: Yeah, I, I jog a lot. I do that in Beijing and I do that in Sydney. And now in Sydney, I didn't do this in Beijing, but I go to swim in Bondi beach every day, so.
2: The gyms shut down here, um, you know, and uh, Brussels is not blessed with uh, natural beauty like uh, Sydney, so, uh, you know, no beaches, uh, along the coasts of which to run.
1: One of the most beneficial things that's come out of COVID is that we're really globally looking at mental health. We've all lost something of our former lives. And so I think I've learned to be a little more compassionate toward my fellow man and and to be a little more understanding of myself when I, you know, am having a day where I don't feel like I'm getting much accomplished. Have you been to any funeral during this pandemic? Uh, yes, one. But it was not COVID related. A family friend was 90 years old and, and passed away. But the funeral was very different. It was, it was only about 20 minutes and it was outside and that was it. Actually,
3: Rahul, one of your Facebook posts really got me. And with your permission, I like to read it here. Is that okay?
1: Okay. Yeah, sure.
3: you wrote, how bad is the situation in India, so bad that I'm actually relieved that my dad passed away years ago. His last years were spent fighting bone marrow cancer, so COVID would have been too much to take. At least my father had a proper funeral. Too many of my friends have lost parents who suffer indignity, even in death. Do you mind sharing a bit more about your thoughts behind this post?
2: Yeah, so this I wrote um, after the Delta variant, you know, just devastated the country and uh, we found ourselves completely caught off guard um, back in India. While my family was fine, luckily, um, I know too many friends who had lost, you know, parents and um, many of them, yes, perhaps with comorbidities, but they perhaps still had a good 5, 10, 15 years life, uh, which was kind of snuffed away by, by COVID. So it was, it was very tough back then.
3: What's the farthest that you have travelled from your home since the pandemic began?
2: I'm, I'm happy to say that I just got back from uh, two weeks in France, uh, where my wife is from, um, the beautiful city of, of Lyon. Um, there they have a couple of rivers and we, you know, we could finally reunite with the French side
0: of the family after one and a half years yeah i went down to i went down to tasmania where to be honest they never really had coronavirus there's only three hundred and fifty thousand people on that little <laughs> island the gorgeous island there but i you know to travel around there which i did last uh november i just felt so lucky one of the problems about traveling around tasmania or something in 2020 was that you're so aware that most of the rest of the world would just look in like disbelief at what life was like there. It was just like, you know, and so don't post any photos on Instagram or Facebook or, and really just tell people quietly, maybe who you trust, like.
3: Monica, where did you go?
1: Oh, I went to Florida. Um, actually was one, of yeah, it was great. I was meeting up with my family mm-hmm. and I hadn't been able to see them. We were, the, we were the oddballs because we didn't go to restaurants. We didn't socialize outside of our family bubble and you know the the home where we were all staying you know we made our own meals but we went to the beach we you know swam in the pool we had a great time that way and um, but then today today will be my next furthest that I've been and that'll be I'll be going to Texas so
3: what do you spend less money on and what do you spend more money on since the pandemic?
1: a lot of money on Amazon <laughs> way too much money online shopping big time um for cosmetics and things like that stuff for the kids gadgets for the house definitely not work clothes or anything like that um you know definitely not buying
3: regular pants <laughs> gentlemen where did your money go
0: well I spent a lot less on travel right but that a lot of nice restaurants do takeaway and so my wife and I do that a lot. Just you know, you, you can get, yeah, kind of takeaway meal from a quite a nice restaurant that you can't normally, eat, which you know, just makes a bit more basically fun. Basically so fancy I think takeaways. My, yeah. Eating budget's probably higher. Especially in Sydney. I mean it's pretty cheap in Beijing. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: same here. Uber Eats and Uber taxis basically skyrocketed. Just just do it all the time um what's gone down i guess is yeah travel yeah obviously
3: and you guys might not like my next question but here it comes so what's the biggest mistake you have made during the pandemic
0: definitely um i uh it's obvious uh so at the moment you i can't get a haircut in sydney right because we've got uh our case numbers at so my last haircut i said you know just just a little bit, just take a little bit off. I was quite happy with it. And that was, you know, six weeks ago. And so my biggest regret, I should have got a little bit more at the top, but it got me through a bit longer. I think
2: my mistake was getting completely sucked in and getting a bit obsessive with uh, with work. To be very honest, I I, I, I burnt out, you know, at, and at one point you're good at what you do, you're rewarded with more work. And, um, you know, it's kind of being a victim of your own success. So it's, again, a bit of mental health and a bit of just putting down your boundaries and saying, look, this is family time, but it it can be a bit conflated with feelings of being grateful to, to still have a job, to be able to work when so many don't have one.
1: Monica. Well, so jumping back on the haircut bandwagon, I cut my own hair. (laughs) And so I, I put some hair here, some hair here and some of the back and I just went chop, chop, chop. Chop, 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 and I'm like, done. And I would, in the moment, it felt really good. But like five minutes later, I was like, what oh, yeah. Because then, at that point, hair salons still weren't open. There were no hair salons open. So everybody was, and I also would cut my children's hair, which we won't talk about those pictures. <laughs>
3: What's the biggest challenge that you have faced during this pandemic?
0: Uh, Well, my, um, so I I moved to Beijing with my wife after three fun weeks in Beijing, loving the city, loving our Mandarin, intensive Mandarin classes. um, This thing suddenly got very serious and uh, totally freaked out. And uh, my wife went back to Australia uh, at the end of January. but I stayed on in China because I just started as, you know, the correspondent for the paper there, yeah, we never spent more than two weeks apart. So it was horrific, personally.
1: How about Monica? Um, well, my husband is a dentist and has his own practice. So because of COVID, all of the offices were closed. So his business was closed for about 13 weeks. And that was a huge economic hardship. And then right after that, the show I was a reporter for was canceled. So my show was canceled and I was then unemployed. That was really difficult because not only was there the economic component, but as a professional, you look back on your career of 20 years and you say, "Okay, well, is this the end of the line? Because That was really challenging, really challenging
2: one thing I think journalists are good at is really thinking on their feet and kind of rising to the occasion in this very digitally demanding era. So I had to pivot to this job in public affairs and uh, I did both jobs for a while and that was really, really intense. I
3: I also wonder how has this pandemic impacted you in some way that may be long lasting?
2: No easy question in this interview at all.
1: (laughs) I I think um, something that has not been wasted on me is the lesson of how serious things can be so quickly and how fleeting health is. And, you know, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health, you really have nothing.
2: Yeah, if this doesn't bring us together, what will really make the most of it? be it family, friends, you know, knowledge, um, society. That's one thing that I will change. It's it's difficult to be kind, but we really must try because that also is contagious, I think.
3: How has this pandemic changed your relations with family, friends, and even strangers?
1: I get really angry at people in the store when they come too close to me. I'm like, oh man, I just give them the look because you really can't, I still wear a mask, I'm vaccinated. Um, I kind of think if you haven't figured out how to put a mask on by now, it's maybe survival of the fittest because these people, they walk too close to you and they they don't respect your boundaries. And, uh, my husband has dis- discovered that he's not a bad cook. So the family dynamic, the marital dynamic between you know the division of chores has improved. So there's a little more positivity on the home front. And um, my my kids, you know, the good stuff is that I'm with them. And my family. I appreciate my family so much. One of my sisters, um, you know, who lives a little ways away, and said I was begging my sister to sleep over. I'm like, please just stay over the night. Stay with us. Stay with us. It was, I, I don't know, pre-COVID, I would have done that. So we actually got closer. Yes. Oh, we all—all all of us. Even it's—it's it's so ironic, you know, because we were so separated, but we really found the desire to be with one another and to connect with one another. <laughs> How about you, gentlemen?
2: You—you uh, you, you do certainly end up scheduling more time to to have these calls with family. There's this is. Uh, new, new, newfound sense of closeness, perhaps, renewed closeness. But I also feel that there's no, yeah, replacement for that face-to-face, in-person
0: bonding, yeah. And I uh, can't wait for that to happen again. I miss uh, not seeing strangers, not meeting so many strangers. Um, you know, I've met, I met some, but a lot less than normal, right? That's one of the fun things about being a journalist, is being out and meeting people, um, meeting lots of new people. I, I miss the spontaneity of, on the ground, getting out, going places, outside of where, you know, Sydney.
3: Have there been any pleasant surprises to come out of this pandemic for you guys?
2: I'm surprised at how, how, how well Zoom works sometimes because it does feel like, a, like you know, quite a stimulating conversation across, across time zones. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at how technology
0: did provide solutions, you know, when we needed them the most but I'm surprised how fast the international scientific community, the vaccine specialists got vaccines approved, like vaccines that work approved. So yeah, hats off to the international scientific community. And I'm surprised by, I'm surprised and seriously impressed um, by that. And I, you know, I take a lot of optimism from that. How far has humanity come from the Spanish flu? You know, 100 years on, we're killing it. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of, bad news, and I understand at an individual level, bad, but as a human, as humankind, wow, not A plus, but you know, A minus. You said that so beautifully.
1: That is 150% correct. I, I mean, it's really, when you have humankind and we're put up against pressure, you really see what, as a species, we're, we're capable of. And, It's kind of like, you know, in geology, you have a a lump of coal and you put it under this intense pressure and it becomes a diamond. And that's kind of like what the scientific community has done. Here we had this lump of coal that, you know, was just this black blob for all of us, right? The COVID is this black blob of, of horribleness, right? And you put it under intense pressure and you get the world's most creative and brilliant and innovative minds together, and you put all of the nonsense away and you, you really come together, look at what we've been able to accomplish. Like you said, as a species, you know, it's hats off to the global scientific community for sure.
3: How has your perception about freedom and everything else changed?
2: For me, I think my thinking is in like three different buckets. So there's freedom, there is the science, and then there is the international solidarity. So I definitely now feel how much we took for granted the open borders between countries. Today, we've killed it in terms of the scientific community rising to the challenge. Um, But then how do we then as journalists Convince people that all oh, vaccines are a good thing, and you must take them, even in places where you don't have too many cases. Our only chances, if more countries are willing to work together in a in a spirit of kind of solidarity and openness, but very sadly, let's be honest, right? It, it's it's going further and further apart, and and that's the challenge: uh, convincing mankind almost that we well, look, we're in the same boat. Um, our best chance is to is to collaborate, but uh, I, I really hope this happens
3: how do you think this pandemic has transformed journalism
1: i know i feel more passionately about my calling because journalism is a calling i believe and um i it was always a sacred trust i felt between a journalist and the viewer or the reader or the listener or you know whomever um but i feel that more now than i have ever in my life And I think it's made me double down my commitment to the truth.
2: I I want to venture to say that it's made the job easier in some fronts in that um, it's, it's more getting, you know, interviews when you're in different parts of the world has become more easy, but it's made it more difficult in that because of so many pseudo journalists and so much misinformation. So you're up against a bigger foe, which has, as much reach as you sometimes even more. It's, it's, it's really tough when people trust bad sources or are not able to kind of, yeah, spot mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, this is dubious and the choice should be obvious to some people, but it's obviously not as much. Too many people believe in conspiracy theories, so.
3: If you could live through this pandemic again, what would you do differently as a
2: journalist? And I would try harder to maintain that healthy balance between work and and play because screen time. We journalists were on the higher end of the scale even before the pandemic struck, you know, and and um, yeah, it's really a challenge not to not to kind of get sucked into the the, the black hole.
0: Well, I I tell my wife with confidence, oh, don't worry, you don't need to leave Beijing. It gets better. It gets better." She wouldn't believe me, but uh, <laughs> I would tell her that.
1: I feel like I'm still in the middle of it and I'm still too close to be able to have that perspective. So I'm going to have to take a rain check on answering that question.
3: Last question. What would you tell future journalists who might go through the next pandemic?
1: Be careful. Because if you are not careful, who is going to tell the story? You know, you ha- don't get sick. Take care of yourself. Be very, be very cautious because we have a responsibility to the world to tell the stories as they're happening. And if we're not there to do it, not a lot of people are and they're going to hear the wrong information. Gentlemen?
0: Uh, look, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, really pay attention to the, to the beginning of it, right? That's the most exciting bit.
2: Uh, so I, I would I would try and tell journalists to kind of look at the bigger picture from the beginning. I think in the beginning of this pandemic there was a lot of finger pointing about you know origins and, uh, and conspiracy theories and tempers flair of the nation. What, what can we learn as a species from this pandemic? I think it's a fact that we need to live in harmony with nature and the more we encroach upon their territories the more um, we we, we are at risk of this thing repeating. I have written editorials saying that it's not a matter of if but when the next pandemic strikes and because of globalization and increasingly mobile populations it would spread like wildfire and here we are you know our worst nightmare come true. So outer journalists just really while you cover the day-to-day don't lose sight of the big picture because it really helps put things in perspective without that finger pointing which frankly solves no problems and does not help us reach a solution where we can kind of exit the pandemic wiser and better prepared for the next one.
3: Do you guys have anything to add?
2: I was in Beijing <laughs> in November 2019, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just wonder if if I was one of the the spreaders. But this is really uh, blooper reel stuff, right? I was, I was you in Beijing. Thing, it's your fault.
1: It's <laughs> fault. I'm coming to Brussels and I'm going to find you
3: (laughs) get your chocolates and waffles ready and then she'll be fine (laughs) thank you all so much for joining me today and take care everyone hopefully we get to see each other soon in one of our cities that would be great yes yeah I love that yeah okay Okay guys, bye for now and take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: Bye, great to
0: meet you all guys. Bye, Bye-bye.